This episode of New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start, is brought to you by Takagi Consulting. I'm Jennifer Takagi, the founder and CEO, Chief Encouraging Officer of Takagi Consulting. Join my groups so you can have access to informational videos, resources, and to help you succeed, as well as a community to help support and propel your career. The Facebook group and LinkedIn group names are New Managers on the Rise. Join them today. You can also find the links in the show notes. That's New Managers on the Rise. I'm Jennifer Takagi, and I really look forward to connecting to you soon. Welcome to New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start with Jennifer Takagi. I'm Jennifer, a former climber of the corporate and government ladders turned leadership development entrepreneur. I'm a leadership coach helping you transform your office from feeling like a prison cell into a playground where employees are energized, engaged, and eager to work. Stress is reduced. Productivity is increased. Communication is seamless because playgrounds are much more fun than cubicle cells. Leadership development might seem like hard work, but leadership done right helps you create the team of your dreams. Each week, I'll bring you an inspiring message to pave the way to your successful journey into a leadership role. Thank you for joining me today. Now let's get started. I'm Jennifer Takagi with New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start. And today I have one of my new online friends, Tracy Warren, with me. And it's really kind of fun to have met all these people online that I would have never met any other way. And the way I met Tracy is even funnier than other people. We are in the same business coaching group. And another gal I know, strictly online, had said, Tracy is the best well, I want to be friends with the best. I want to work with the best. I want to know the best. So I clicked her link and said, hey, Tracy, our mutual friend said you were the best and I want to connect with you. And she goes, great. Here's my calendar. Got on her calendar and she said, um, just so you know, I don't know who that person is. <laughs> so there, was, there was some kind of karmic energy in the world that said we were supposed to connect with each other. So we've talked several times, shared a little information. We're in several like breakout groups together. And so I was like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And she said, hey, I bet I could say something worthwhile. So here we are today with Tracy Warren. And Tracy, I, I love... I love that you have such an eclectic background and an eclectic life. Uh, she has a bachelor's from Rutgers University in both urban planning and religion, which I think is hilarious because those don't necessarily go together. Just like my degree in French and working in housing for X number of years didn't really go together, but somehow it all works. It all works. So thank you for being here, Tracy. Let's talk management. Let's talk leadership. And let's talk about the fact that you homeschool four children. I want yeah. it all. I want it all. Thank you for having me. Totally appreciate it, Jennifer. So yeah, we homeschool four kiddos and have for, gosh, about 10 years. And most recently traveled the country for a couple of years in a 400 square foot camper, six of us, two dogs, a couple 
uh, hamsters. And uh, once COVID hit, it just started to be not quite as fun. So we came back to visit family in Indiana and then haven't left. So then we ended up thinking, okay, time to get a house and make this real. So now we have our house and we still have our camper. We tow it with a semi truck and still plan on doing some traveling. Yes. (laughs) We do things big around here. Go big or go home. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about your business and, um, of course, however people can reach you, but tell me a little bit about your business and leadership skills and how that comes into play with running your extremely busy household and your businesses. Yeah. So I actually got into, wow, leadership unexpectedly. If we go way back (laughs) when I was 13, had a makeup party and um, told the lady, Hey, I want to start this kind of business when I turn 18. And I actually did. And so when I turned 18, that very day, I went to the bank, I took out a loan for $4,000, bought a bunch of makeup for an inventory and started a team and very quickly built my way up to director and qualification and then went off to college and focused on college, let that business go. But that time allowed me to find that I loved leading and I loved having my own business and I loved being in charge. I don't love listening to other people quite so much and following their instruction. (laughs) Thus the entrepreneur path for me. However, I did what was expected, graduated college, got into corporate America, hated every second of it. But while I was there, went through things, you know, whatever was offered to me, like Toastmasters was in our corporate building, went ahead and did that, took additional continuing ed kind of classes, that sort of thing, so that I was still always learning and growing as a leader um, in the midst of the situation. And then uh, once I got remarried, um, ended up quitting my corporate position. Thank goodness. I was so done with it at that point for me, because again, I'm, I, I like to follow rules, but they need to be my rules. So anyway, started my own, uh, at that point, direct sales business again, and could not get it together as far as a why I needed something bigger that I was working toward to actually make the sacrifices that it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. Um, fast forward a few years and a few babies ended up with another company and very quickly things started to snowball and find success. And that came as a result of having a powerful story. It also came as a result of me just being in a desperate situation to make the sacrifices that I needed to, to get to where I needed to be. However, I had not learned good enough leadership skills. So along the way I built our, I burnt a ton of bridges and did get to the top, but it came at the sacrifice of a lot of relationships. And so then the subsequent year ended up trying to do it again. And I did reach my goal again as a top leader in that company. However, I learned the hard way, so many valuable leadership skills that, um, thank goodness that second year 
things were more peaceful on my team and I was a better leader. I was showing up for them as a better leader. And it was around that time that I had the opportunity to go and get certified with the John Maxwell team as a leadership coach, speaker, and trainer. And I fell in love with that whole opportunity because I was like, oh my gosh, all these people are trying so hard to build a team and to do a business and they need this. If only I had had this, you know, like I wouldn't have been suffering from the burnout that I was suffering from adrenal fatigue. I wouldn't be, you know, like snapping my kids' heads off at every turn. I wouldn't have, you know, literally lost team members and built bridges just because I didn't know how to carry myself. And so that leadership education really made a big impact on me. And so I ended up quitting that, that direct sales company to start building my own private practice. And that comes with a whole different can of worms, you know, like <laughs> doing it, no. something that is from a box and building something from a box is completely different than building your own business, you know? And my heart was really to help other women in leadership. And sometimes what comes with that is that we undercharge, we undervalue, and I fell into the trap of wanting to just give it all away. And so then I went down this path of, well, maybe I need to be a nonprofit. And so ended up actually taking a year and creating a nonprofit only to find out that's a really terrible idea for what I'm particularly trying to accomplish. <laughs> so we ended up, we kept the nonprofit. However, it is specifically a fundraising arm to provide scholarships for women who desire transformation. So that's actually still up and going, but I had to go through all of that myself as an entrepreneur to find out, okay, my role is to stand at the wall with people when they're stuck, help them get over the wall, allow them the opportunity to put a lot of skin in the game so that they're showing up for their transformation at a high level and I'm getting rewarded financially, then I can always fund the nonprofit if I want. So um, that really has been, you know, like the quick and dirty version of the past to now me owning the company is called Uncoached. And the bigger vision of Uncoached is that there are a ton of different coaches. There are a ton of different service providers and women know that whenever they come to Uncoached, they're going to find what they need. However, my own role within Uncoached is as a leadership coach um, for service providers and providing them what we call CEO flow, which is a complete inner overhaul, mind, body, spirit. Let's do the inner work so that you can produce the fruit that you see. So um, a lot of what I'm receiving is coaching around the fruit. And then my job is to do the stuff with the roots and the vines and all the branches and the stuff that, you know, is peeling back the layers for um, CEOs to be able to do what they need to do. You have a lot going, girlfriend. You have a lot I going. do. So um, I... I, I just love that we, I keep finding similarities between us because, you know, people are like, oh, everything's online. I hate it. Well, no, I'm loving it. I'm loving all the relationships and connections I'm making. But a couple of things you said that really stood out to me. And one was 
relationships suffer if you have bad leadership. Absolutely. And to highlight that a little bit, when you go to work every day, whether it's completely online and you're still working from home or you physically walk into an office, it's all about relationships. Everything is about relationships. I had a coworker one day say, you better be careful on whose toes you step today because you might be kissing their butt tomorrow. Mm. You don't know who your boss is going to be. You don't know how things are going to shake out. And is that the reputation you want to create of, you know, burning the bridges, destroying the relationships. And so what could you tell us is one thing that you would suggest that a manager leader really needs to embrace on that relationship piece? Like what's something they should really keep in mind? Self-management. How to manage yourself. Because as I was, you know, getting ready for today, thinking about your audience and leadership and management, like if we can't manage ourselves, we have no business managing other people. And yet at the same time, many people do find themselves in leadership and management positions, not being equipped yet to manage themselves. So, so it's, it's worth digging into to take the time to say, okay, I should come first. You know, it's sort of like that, putting your ox, your own oxygen mask on first to be able to help somebody else. It's that self-management because if we know what triggers us, we can be better managers, leaders, and keep the relationship first. If I don't know what my triggers are, then watch out you know, you like, you never know what you're walking into, but if I know what my triggers are, then I can have that. Uh, it's going to alert my brain. Like you're walking into some scary territory here. <laughs> Take a deep breath, figure out what you need to do. You know what I mean? And then, oh, go ahead. Where are you going to say? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, like if I know what my triggers are and then I also know what motivates me. And I can manage myself, I, I'm already ahead of the game in terms of keeping relationships at the forefront. Uh, absolutely. And I, I I had a boss off and on for a number of years. And there was this one employee that just, I mean, her behavior was just unacceptable. I mean, that's just all there is to it. But nobody could really rein her in. Mm -hmm. And one day, just having a casual conversation, I said, oh, my God, how do you deal with her day in and day out? Like, as a colleague, she exhausts me. I can't imagine managing her. Yeah. And she said, you know, one time, one time I lost my cool having a conversation with her and I raised my voice, which of course this woman never yelled. So that wouldn't happen. I mean, me, I, I talk loud anyway, so it could sound like I was yelling even if I wasn't, but she said, I raised my voice and lost my temper. And after that interaction, I promised myself I would never do that again because I would never let her win. Mm. And, and that was letting her win. So she yeah. was going to self-regulate. She was going to self-manage 
um, in the in the little four quadrants, it's lead self, lead others, lead organization, lead implementation, right? So if you can't lead yourself well, right, then what are you what example are you setting? Um, I had a boss who strolled into every single meeting anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes late, and it didn't matter who the audience was. Mm -hmm. But if you showed up to her office two seconds late when she wanted you in there, I mean, it was, you know, Katie bar the door. She was going to have a temper tantrum. Yeah. That is horrible leadership. If you expect everybody to be on time, then you need to be on time. Yes. There are going to be, those rare occasions when you can't get in that room, right? Exactly on time. But if it's a habit, then that's just a poor habit. That's just poor planning. And that can easily be overcome. But that Mm -hmm. self-regulate, self-management is just, it's just so critical. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, you know, I am reminded of John Maxwell saying, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Exactly. (laughs) We've got, you know, you really don't have anything to, you know, to manage if the relationship's not there. You can keep trying, but you're actually not being effective if you've lost the relationship. Well, a few years ago, I had the honor and privilege to speak at one of the um, Oklahoma State Human Resources um, conferences. And so since I was a speaker, I got to attend the conference, Mm -hmm. which was great. And the speaker, the keynote opening speaker was talking about how the American business was all built on the idea of a, um, what is that called? Assembly line. Assembly. So now we have assembly lines. Well, in an assembly line, if you're the one putting the round peg in the round hole, having a brilliant idea to use a square peg is a terrible idea, right? It's never going to work. So there wasn't really room for creativity and innovation too much from the people on the floor in the moment, right? I mean, like they could share that information elsewhere, but in the moment, you know, you couldn't really do that. And the problem is we have moved, you know, 75, 80 years beyond that. And now we have offices and structures where they're built with, let's just treat it like an assembly line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I watched that in my career. We now have the situation, and I don't know if you run into this a lot, but I hear it all the time. Oh, those millennials. Oh, those Gen Xers. I mean, people are like dividing us by when we're born. I don't think I really should be in the right generation that I was born in. I think I'm really one of the other ones personally. Uh I don't Uh don't think I should have to identify. I should be able to self-identify with my generation because I don't want to be that person who says, oh, those young whippersnappers, you know, they can't do it. Well, here's the deal. They learned and figured out that that other crap does not work. Right. And we're just jealous. Yeah. (laughs) we're just jealous that we didn't figure it out and that we suffered when we didn't need to. So what are your thoughts around the openness of a leader in their transparency, authenticity, (gasps) interacting with their people? What? Did you know I asked that question earlier this week? I'm trying to think of in on what, 
<laughs> I'm trying to think of where I was that I literally asked for feedback on that very question. Talk to us. That's crazy. So, oh, it was because I was a speaker in a summit this last week. And so um, I was actually in, they had different categories and I was speaking on internal wellness. And then there was a, I forget what the category was, but let's just say a business category. And I thought, well, this would be a good panel of people to get their thoughts on that very question. And I ended up coming up with three of my own kind of um, a framework, okay? What I think about this, because I'm at, I'm at a point now where we've got, I wanna say nine people on our team for Uncoached. And I'm at that point where we're big enough that there are certain things I want to share and be transparent, but not everybody needs to know everything. And you can overshare as a leader, right? So I'll, I'll give you the, uh, this is the first time I'm actually sharing, you know, like these three, so three step frameworks. So you can give me some feedback. So the first is helpful. Is it helpful for them to do their job task? If it's helpful for them to complete their job, requirements, then that would be good information to share. The next one that I would share is heartful. That's not really a word, but it's a Tracy word. You can put H-E-A-R-T full, heartful. You can even add the extra L at the end if you want, if it makes you feel happy. <laughs> is it heartful? Is it, is it something that is going to warm their heart, to fill their heart, that gives them the encouragement to do well in their position? And then the last one is hurtful. Is it something that is going to hinder or hurt their progress, either as a person or in the business aspect? So for me, I think that those are three really easy H words that are going to allow me to just ask myself, is it helpful, heartful, or hurtful? And depending on if it's, if it's helpful or hurtful, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to share it and be transparent in that way. If it's hurtful, then no. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think those are awesome words. I think they're extremely descriptive. Um, you know, then you get into the question of, well, how much do I share about my family? Well, sometimes it's helpful to share about your family because then they know that your family is important. And when they come in with a family issue, their family is important. Now, yes. do you have to post a picture of your kid every single day? Maybe, maybe not. It kind of depends on your um, area arena. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to say on this too, I do disc behavioral profiles. Mm -hmm. And there are some profiles that they don't want to share. They don't want to share. They have a very tiny inner circle and that's the way they want it. And so when you're open and transparent, like you and I apparently really are, <laughs> the people who don't want to be open and transparent can sometimes feel like they've been forced to. And yeah. I think it's also a balance of who's your audience? What do they need to know? If you're the leader who is more of the reserved type and you you, you know, nobody needs to know about my world. Mm -hmm. 
make sure you're clear about that, right? You're not hiding anything. It's just that it never came up. My mom and dad were married one month shy of their 57th anniversary when they died and they died 12 wow. years apart and it was horrible for wow. left behind. But my mom would not call my dad at the office during the day because he was busy and working. So if she called, it was, it was a thing, right? She mm -hmm. needed to talk to him. And he could not have been more devoted to her if, like, he put forth more effort. Like, it couldn't have happened. And he called, she called the office one day, and his secretary answered. And she said, hello, this is Phyllis. May I speak to Bob, please? And the gal goes, Phyllis who? And she said, Phyllis Jaggers, Bob's wife. And she goes, oh, oh, just a minute. And so she got my dad on the phone, and my mom goes, does she know you're married? And he goes, well, I don't know why she wouldn't know that. Never entered his mind. You walked in his office. He had family pictures everywhere. So, you know, she saw those, but I guess never entered her mind. But it really would have never entered my father's mind ever to say, yes, I'm married or like be the one to bring it up. He'd always answer it. He had pictures of all of us everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, but you know that it, that was not going to be him. He was never going to walk into a new office setting and say, "I'm Bob Jaggers and I'm married and I have four kids and three dogs and twelve cats and you know, right, right." And I'm going to do that. I'm married and I have two cats and I have a puppy and she just had surgery and I mean, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so it's okay, whichever way you go. Like there's no right or wrong in this, but. You have to create a way to be relatable. Mm -hmm. And as you're being relatable to your team, I think these helpful, hurtful, heartful are perfect. Like, is that going to destroy their soul and keep them from wanting to come back and do a good job or? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Did I just crush your soul and I didn't even meet you? <laughs> I remember one day I thought, I mean, I'm going to be a comedian in my next life because I think I'm so hilarious. And there was a lot of tension in the office. There was a lot going on. And I went, oh, my gosh, thank goodness. We're not going to have to worry about that much longer. And I, this employee of mine just started bawling and just stormed off. And I, I went and I was like, what? And she's like, just get away from me. Just get away. And I was like, but I, it took me quite a while to figure out how I had offended her. But I thought I was being lighthearted and in, in the midst of a tense situation and she found it extremely offensive, which of course I apologized. I hope that we smoothed it over enough. Um, cause right. I felt really bad about that, but that's another thing just kind of pops into mind. A lot of managers don't want to ever admit they're wrong or apologize. And then what happens? I'll let you answer that. To me, resentment builds big time, big time. And we, in um, Uncoached this, this last week, we've been running what we call the Queen Esther Marketing Challenge. And just looking at her as an example, which if you typically read that book, which is in the Bible, I had never associated with that with marketing until at some point last year in 2020 was reading through and I was like, oh my goodness. She had to get really clear on 
her story and who she was and what she was about to be able to save the lives of her people, make sure she didn't get herself killed and leave a legacy. And so to me, I thought, well, gosh, that's, that's amazing. But anyways, all of that, there's a ton of humility um, that was built into her that made her an effective leader because she was, she was definitely out of place uh, in, a, in a country that was not of her own in a palace married to a king that she was not allowed to speak to unless she was called upon or she would be killed. So man, humility would be at the top of the list, you know? And so for us as leaders to recognize, it's like you never want to arrive. If we think that we've arrived, then we've still got work to do. <laughs> we do. And that whole idea of giving your employees the credit for the work. Yes. Because yes. then everybody above you knows they wouldn't have gotten all that work done. Exactly. If it hadn't been for you. I was probably, I don't even think I was 30 yet. I was probably in my late twenties. I could have been 30. I was, I was just barely 30. And this much older woman, she was probably 45, maybe 48. We were at a training together and we just clicked and bonded. And so we decided to go have cocktails before the whole group went to dinner. So we're having cocktails and I'm just, you know, fascinated by her story and her journey. And she says, if I can give you one piece of advice that is going to carry you through your career. And I went, Oh yes. What? And she said, keep in mind your job, which I was an employee. I was not a manager at the time. She said, your job is to make your boss look good. Period. And I was like, well, but what? And she goes, Nope. If your boss doesn't look good, everybody's going to know that you didn't carry your weight. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. So fast forward, I end up with a new boss. And those of you who've been following the podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about my boss and, you know, she really did make my life quite miserable, but I learned a lot. Let's just take the good that came from that. But when she came, I had people sending me links to articles about her. Wow. And I would just hit delete. Wow. And then my phone would ring and they would say, did you get that? Do you know about that? And I said, oh, and she was picked over me, right? They brought in somebody from the outside instead of promoting me, which everybody on the face of the earth assumed that I would be the one promoted into that position. And I just kept telling people, I don't need to read that. I don't need to know that it will all come out just kind of naturally organically. I have to live with her. So mm -hmm. I, I, I don't need to add to my, you know, to any preconceived ideas. Right. So then there came a time of, um, we, something was not going to be done that should have been done. And I knew it needed to be done. And I stepped in, it wasn't even my thing, but I knew the calls were going to come. Jennifer, you knew this, why didn't you? And so 
as miserable as that time in my life is, was, thank God I'm not there anymore. <clears throat> I learned a lot of lessons, which, you know, that's always valuable. What lesson can I learn from this? You know, what I felt like at the time was the depths of hell. And then did I do my part at making sure all the goals were met? I mean, I could have let so many things fall and say, mm, that's not my job. That's not my responsibility. But when, when the time came for me to leave and it was my choice to leave, <laughs> I, I got to make that decision. Um, when I chose to leave, I left knowing that I had played by the rules the best I could and that I never hung her out to dry um, yeah. in a public or private setting, really. And I'm, those kind of things are important. Mm -hmm. if you're the manager, make your employees look good. Give them all mm -hmm. the credit in the world because everybody knows that you're the reason they did it. Exactly. And then make your boss look good because if you can make your boss look good, everybody still knows you did it, yeah. right? It all, that yeah. wearing those big girl panties or big boy shorts mm -hmm. hard. Yep. That goes back to the self-management. Yep. A hundred percent, you know? You absolutely so tied together. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I have experienced a couple of those, you know, similarities, not the same situation, but close enough, you know, where it, it, it is hard. It is really hard in those conditions to stay positive and to keep your nose to the grindstone and do what you're supposed to do and make somebody that you don't necessarily respect look good. <laughs> but just to keep in mind and to actually believe what you're saying is true. Like it will reflect well on you at some point. And it may not even be in that current position that it reflects well on you, you know? Well, and, and that's the thing, you know, you don't like people use the word karma, I think in a, in a very negative way, you know, karma is going to get you or whatever. Right. Karma works both ways. There's a lot of yep. good karma, but in our society, we like to use it as negative, bad karma. But it is going to come back in some way. Like mm -hmm. you will have touched somebody's life, your example that you're setting by holding it together, by not losing your top. Like I'm sure when I went to that one manager and said, how do you deal with her? That had to have made her feel good to know that somebody noticed that she was self-regulating. Absolutely. Was, yep. You know, it may not have all come together at that moment, but you know. Yeah. It, now on our team, we talk a lot about emotional home and knowing what your emotional home is under stress. So let's say in that scenario, when you're starting to feel your teeth grit together or what, you know, like. For me, my old emotional home was self-pity. So if things were not going my way, if I was under stress, I would go to, woe is me, this stinks, I'm never gonna, you know, it's full on pity party. That's what it was for me. For some people, they go to anger. For some people, they go to confusion or frustration. You know, like we all, you know, like how, what that self-talk is, what, and that's just, that's what, you know, I'm calling your emotional home and having to realize that I don't have to continue living at the same address. 
If I want a new emotional home, all I have to do is move, <laughs> right? So if, I mean, it can be a process, but just that beginning awareness of, okay, instead of feeling self-pity, because it's not enjoyable to sit in that, instead, when I'm under stress, I'm going to feel, for me, it's peace. I just want to feel peace in that moment. And so you get to choose what that new emotional home is and then what that looks like for you, what that feels like for you. And it's got to be something, you know, when I help people write the, their new rules around that new home, it's like, okay, I can feel peace anytime I take a breath. I can feel peace anytime I think about something that I'm grateful for. I can think, I can feel or experience peace anytime I get outside in nature, you know, like make it really, really easy so that you can actually have control over experiencing that emotion and make it really, really hard. Like I can only feel self-pity if, I don't know, something ridiculous, like my face is completely broken out and my hair has fallen out and I am destitute and I've lost my home and my dog's dying, you know, like make it really, really hard for that to happen. <laughs> but then what will happen is that, you know, the tendency because circumstances aren't going to end just because you chose a new emotional home, you know, the person who's triggering you is still gonna show up to work or still be on the team unless you're in charge and get to let them go. <laughs> you know, like there's still going to be times that you're like tempted to go to that old home. And the way that I describe it is like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you live in one house and then you move, let's say down the highway to a different exit, you're headed home from work. You just naturally, your car just naturally goes off toward the old house. Like, and you're like, oh, dang, I don't live there anymore. Do you stop on the side of the road and cry about it and flail your legs on the ground? Like that would be ridiculous. All you do is just continue driving and get back onto the on-ramp and head to the new house. But somehow we think that with our emotions that we have to like throw this big ordeal. Like, no, you really don't. Okay. I am so tempted to strangle you right now. And it makes me feel really bad about myself. Or I am so tempted to go up to my room and lay on the bed and eat a pint of ice cream and a bag of popcorn and have a pity party. Or I could just get on the highway and get back on the on-ramp and experience peace and feel really, really good. So I, I, I love your analogy, number one. Number two, I had a conversation with a gal and she gave me a piece of advice and it was excellent advice. But Tracy, I had been told that before. And I said, I thought I did that. And she goes, oh, Jennifer, it's like being a toddler and a kid is trying to walk and they fall down. After they took three steps and fell down, they didn't just quit walking. You know, you have to just keep trying. So even though you made a huge breakthrough on that, it you're going to have to come back to it. So I love the fact that, you know, my pity party can only last so long. And then I have to make a better choice and yeah. get back on that on-ramp and go. 
my husband and I have a little trailer at the lake and it's right at two hours and 15 minutes from our house. It doesn't matter how fast we drive. It doesn't matter if there's a wreck and we get slowed <laughs> up. It's two hours and 15 minutes. And people go, oh, it's not that far. It's two hours and 15 minutes from our house, people. And about 45 minutes, if traffic is smooth, we hit this town called Shawnee. And my sister-in-law one time said, do you and Bill talk like that whole two hours and 15 minutes? Which we have no kids. It's only the two of us. We don't really have anybody else to talk to. So it's not like, you know, we need alone time to have a conversation. Right. And I was like, no, no, I typically read. And for whatever reason, he didn't even have the radio on. I guess he's lost in his thoughts and, you know, but we pretty much talk till we get to Shawnee. And then like, if it's a rough week and it's all complaints, it's, it's like naturally it's Shawnee. It's just over. And then on the way home, we hit this town called Henrietta. And if anything bad or irritating happened over the weekend, it can be discussed pretty much to Henrietta and then it's over. And so my sister rode with me one time, she came to pick me up and we got in the car and she goes, I'm sorry, but I get all the time from here to Shawnee. And I, <laughs> okay. And literally the exit came up, the first exit for Shawnee. And she said, okay, I have to shut up now. We're at Shawnee. That's <laughs> hilarious. I have to be done with this now. Yeah. I'm going to break the rules, Jennifer, if I keep going on about this. But I mean, it's the same kind of thing, but I love that you call it an emotional home. I love that you have people write rules. Like, what am I going to do? Um, I was in a Bible study and I don't know if it was John Maxwell or not, but the conversation was, uh, and it was talking about spouses, but you're going to have the same fight over and over again. And you need to get to what is actually the core reason you're having the fight. Right. And a lot of the same things happen in the office. The right. same things are frustrating you day in and day out. And it's that one thing that is the tipping point. And when you know what that one thing is, that's going to put you over the edge. Walk yeah. Away. I yeah. We, this week when we were, you know, in the middle of a launch, super ramped up, busy, everybody's really focused, you know, your activity levels way higher. Um, and the tension can be way higher too. And we, we had a team member that got triggered by a past work experience and that impacted, you know, her response to other team members. And so immediately I'm like, okay, what's really going on here? What's, what's that, that need beneath the deed? And it's just, it's so you're spot on, you're spot on Jennifer with that, because there's always some other layer and um, what ends up coming color. out of our mouths, you know, is just that it's totally that surface level of what's going on really deep. Well, and, and it's always the same thing. It always goes back to like the same thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. how, how are we going to make this all come together? Yeah. And, oh, wait. It goes back to the beginning of our conversation. It's about the relationships and what kind of relationship do you want to have and what culture do you want to create? Mm -hmm. I love this. Tracy, 
I appreciate your time so much and all the wealth of wisdom that you've shared. So some of my key takeaways is self-management is number one. Uh, in transparency, transparency and authenticity, is it helpful, hurtful? I mean, heartful is next. Helpful, heartful, or hurtful. And then we have an emotional home. And we need to choose where we want to spend most of our time and energy at which address. And we can move. I love that. Okay, we are going to put all your contact information in the show notes. Um, is there someplace quick and easy you want to share if someone wanted to reach out to you? Probably the easiest place to connect with me is in our Facebook community, which is called Materialize Impact. And anybody is impact. impact. Yep. Everybody is welcome there. I believe if you just um, search materialize impact, it should come right up and you'll find this dark short hair right there. And, and is that where we're going to be on uh, tomorrow? Yeah. Tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. This was super fun and you've got a ton of great uh, you know, information to share with people. And I hope that they're getting as much value out of it regularly as I did today. You're amazing. Thank you so much. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you for joining today. Please hop on over to iTunes to leave us a review and share our channel with your friends and family. Head over to TakagiConsulting.com slash gift for a great free gift. Also, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and TakagiConsulting.com. We would love to hear from you. And may your days be filled with more success than you ever dreamed possible. Mm -hmm.